1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 17. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. I thank you for this time that we have together together in this place. And Father, I, I do thank you for your word and how it speaks to us and how it's just relevant today. And Lord, how is that possible but it being from you? You know, and I, I recognize that we come here today and we expect to hear a message from you. And so, Father, I, I pray that you would speak to us in a way that only you can. Pierce our hearts, sanctify our thinking, correct our desires, and teach us your ways, Father. And allow for us to know truth, allow for us to know your will for our lives. And, Father, I, I recognize that I have a part in this. I recognize that you've called me to this place to preach your word to the people of God. And so, Father, if you would, forgive me of my sin, cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life, and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way that brings honor and glory to your name, in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and their relationship with you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today is the day of their salvation. I, I I pray, Lord, that you, would, that you would just speak to them in such a way that they would know without a shadow of a doubt that your son Jesus is Lord. And that if they just put their faith and trust in him, that their sins will be forgiven. And Father, I, I pray for the, that person that's here today that you're speaking to. And maybe it's not just one, maybe it's two or three. And Father, if they would put their faith and trust in Jesus, today we would give you all the honor and all the glory. We know that that's something that you're doing in their life. But Father, we would just be so joyful and so happy to see that. Father, I pray for the believer that's here today that may be struggling. Maybe this is their, the first time they came to church in a long time. Maybe they, they, uh, they're just visiting. I, Father, I, I know there are people here that have been coming every Sunday for years and years and years and and yet they're struggling with their faith. They're struggling with knowing your will. They're struggling with being obedient. They're, they're sin in their life that they can't get rid of. And so, Father, I pray that you would give them the grace they need to be obedient, to talk to a friend, to, to allow for this to be an opportunity to draw closer to you. Father, we know that you're an unseen guest here today. So, Lord, if you would, just be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. A few months ago, towards the beginning of the year, my wife and I, we, we bought an app that teaches you how to dance. My wife, she loves to dance. And Richard, I know that you know this about me, that I'm, a, I'm an avid dancer. You know, I was supposed to be in the woods this week hunting bear. And when we weren't hunting bear, we were going to be in the cabin dancing, practicing our dance moves. And that's just something I just, I absolutely love to do. You know, it's just my, and this app, it's a guy and a, and a gal at a, at a home and the, the, the living room is clear. They got hardwood floors and the guy's wearing a, a t-shirt that's just a little bit too small. And, you know, and I mean, they are, they're dancing, you know, right? And they're teaching you different cadences. And the first one or two is pretty easy. And I mean, it's just not that hard. And then the second two, the third and fourth one, I mean, they're, they're a little more challenging. 
I mean, I'm not going to admit it. I mean, I'm not going to deny it. It's, it's challenging, right? And then the, the fifth and sixth one, it was like, man, I, my, I mean, it was easy for Kathy. But for me, my feet were just, I was stepping on my own feet. Yeah, I mean, I just couldn't do it, you know. I was, at, I was at Burger King a while back, and I saw a picture on the screen of a Whopper. And I'm like, man, that looks pretty good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that Whopper. So I ordered the Whopper and fries and a Coke. And, you know, that came out on the tray. And I opened up the wrapper. And, man, that sandwich, it didn't look like the picture that was on that screen. You know I mean? <laughs> I'm not blaming the sandwich artist. You know, I'm not going to do that. But, like, maybe there's different ingredients. I don't know. You ever go to a painting studio? And they have you painting like a, a Da Vinci painting. And, you know, and you just, you realize after about an hour and you're not, your first name isn't, you know, Leonardo. You know, it's just, it's hard to replicate the original. Matter of fact, I, I don't think that you can. The original and the duplicate are never the same thing. And today's passage of Scripture, Paul is, is talking about the Lord's Supper. Friends, I don't believe that the Lord's Supper and the Last Supper are the same thing. There are two different meals that are often seen as one and the same. And the Lord's Supper, Supper is a meal that was first celebrated after the first Easter. But the Last Supper was the last meal that Jesus and his disciples ate together before he was crucified. On the night when he was betrayed. Paul isn't trying to get to the church to do the exact same thing that Jesus did with his disciples on that night. But rather, he is trying to get them to follow the principles of Jesus' teaching. Listen to Paul's instructions in verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because you are, because when you come together, it's not for the better but for the worst. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that you, there are divisions among you. And I, I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. If you remember last week, Paul, he did commend it. He said, good job. You have been following the traditions that, that, have been, that I've taught you. But here in today's passage of scripture, he says, listen, I can't. I mean, you're doing such a bad job at this. There's no way I can pat you on the back today, friends. You did good there, but man, let me tell you, what you're doing here is just, it's way off base from what our Lord and Savior has taught us and even from what I taught you long ago. They were coming together as a church for the Lord's Supper, but in the way in which they practiced it, it did not bring honor to God. It wasn't the same way that Paul had taught them. Paul taught them that the Lord's Supper was meant to be a, a proclamation of Christ's love for all people through his death on the cross. The way the Corinthians practiced it, it, just, it did just the opposite of what was intended for the local church. Why was the Corinthian church practice of the Lord's Supper so bad? I'm glad you asked. I know you're dying to know. The main thing that was so wrong was there was some pretty obvious division among the church during their gathering. It got so bad that when, you know, 
they got together. One group sat over here, another sat over here, another did this, one ate this, another ate that. And it was just a mess. You know, it's, it was kind of like sometimes, like, you've ever been to a Baptist business meeting? You know, there's divisions here. But it's much worse than that, friends. It wasn't just like, hey, I have this opinion, and you have this opinion, and I don't like you, and you don't like me, and you're going to hell. And you're, I mean, it's not that, it's, it's just like, hey, it's, I'm, I'm way further elite than you are, friends. As a matter of fact, many of them believed in Gnostic. They were, they were gearing towards a Gnostic faith. And they said that like, in order for you to be saved, you have to have this, this secret knowledge. And, and you don't have that knowledge. So they were saying to the other people, hey, you're not even a Christian. That's what, I mean, that's the part. I mean, that's how far it had gone. But they were like so divided. So, I mean, they were like, hey, we're not, even other, we're not brothers and sisters. You guys go sit over and we'll go. Does that sound anything like what Paul would have taught them? Does that sound anything like John 15? Does that sound anything like the last half a dozen chapters of the Gospel of John? We saw in chapter 1 that Paul had been informed about the church in, from Chloe's household. And he was certain that what he was hearing was true. I mean, can you imagine if it was just like a rumor that Paul would create even more divisions? But rather, this was in fact the absolute gospel. I mean, this was the truth. Paul said, hey, listen, I've heard this and I believe it. I mean, that's what he says here. He says, I believe it to be true. Paul was not a fan of their actions. He was condemning their behavior. He was not making a, a theological side note, but rather he was using rhetorical irony, friends, to show that the Corinthians were only gathering together to show he was an elite member of society and he was not. Some of the, these Corinthians, I, I said this before, but they were influenced by Gnosticism and believed that God desired knowledge more than faith. And as a result, they were rejecting Paul's teaching and separating themselves from those who were not as well educated, not as successful, not as a, an elite member of society. It's ironic because the, Jesus says what? Those of you who are first will be what? Last. And those of you that are last will be who? First. It's just the opposite of the teachings of Jesus, is it not? I'm not sure about you, but there are times when I'm amazed. I, I look back at my day and just amazed at how much, how concerned I am about what other people think and how unconcerned I am about what our Lord and Savior thinks, what our God thinks about the decisions that I make in my life. You know, do you ever look back at your day and just ask the Lord, Lord, show me what I did wrong? Are you ever concerned that you think too much about what other people think of you? Am I alone in that? I think sometimes, I'm not a psychologist, I don't know what's behind it, but I do believe that part of it is I know that God's love for me is unconditional, you know? And I know that no matter what, God loves me. Unless I deny my faith, God loves me, right? He saved me. And yet, here I am, 
trying to earn other people's love and approval. And it makes, it makes no sense because God has chosen us. And why we care about what other people think is beyond me. But it's a problem that Christians have been facing for thousands of years. And I think at the heart of this right here, that's what they're, they are just concerned about what other people think. Verse 20. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one of you goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you do despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Paul criticized their actions. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul criticized their actions by claiming that while one person ate his full to the point of drunkenness, the other was hungry. It was customary in the ancient world for the people that were wealthy, the people that were, that were masters, they would, they, would, they would have a potluck and they would bring the food and other people would eat of this food. And so here in this situation, in this thing, that's not the case at all. The, the, the working class, the servants would get off of their job and they would come in and they weren't allowed to eat or partake or the food would be gone. They would already ate. They would be drunk, it says. They would be full. And so here these guys come in and they're expecting to partake of the meal and they realize, hey, because of my class, because of who I am, because of my responsibilities, I guess I don't get a literal, literal seat at the table. <laughs> Paul is not going to praise them for such childish behavior. Paul says in verse 20 that when they gathered together to eat, they were not actually partaking of it. Their behavior and actions were so off base that it prohibited them from participating in a meal that remembered the loving sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Paul told them that the Corinthians meal and the meal that Jesus shared with his apostles in the upper room were nothing alike. They were eating, but it was not the Lord's Supper. Let me just say this. What we do on Sunday, it matters, friends. Like we don't, it's not just here for fun and games. And like this is, seems somewhat insignificant in the reality, in the grand scheme of life. But in the reality of our spiritual life, this is something that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, ordered us to do. He told us, when you gather together, partake of this meal. It's a command from the Son of God. It mattered 2,000 years ago how the church handled this meal. It matters today how we as the church, the people of God, partake of this meal. It matters, friends. What we do with our lives matters it matters it was not and should not be a time where we promote self over others verse 23 for i received from the lord what i also delivered to you and that the lord jesus on the night when he was betrayed he took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup it's the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Paul reminded the church in Corinth, especially those who were questioning his authority, his apostleship, that he was in fact an apostle by telling them, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Paul was not making up things to tell the church in Corinth, friends. I mean, he received instructions from Jesus Christ himself, and then he went to Jerusalem, and he heard from the apostles themselves, and he learned, and he spent years with them being trained firsthand. In this passage of Scripture, Paul was trying to tell the church in Corinth the difference between what Jesus did at the Last Supper versus what the Corinthians are doing here in this matter, in this supper. One was not like the other, friends. First of all, Jesus observed this meal with his apostles, knowing that they were going to be, that he was going to be betrayed by Judas. I mean, he knew that his disciples would deny him, that they would tuck tail and run. Paul reminded them of Christ's selfless sacrifice. Paul was telling the church in Corinth that the cup was to be taken as a symbol of the new covenant established by his blood. Covenants were made by the shedding of blood, friends, and Jesus' blood established a new covenant that was prophesied by Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. No longer was an ineffective bull or lamb needed, required for the atonement of sins, but the blood of Jesus Christ atones for all sins. Paul was telling the church in Corinth that the cup was a symbol of the new covenant established by his blood. This is what God wants for the church as they observe the Lord's Supper, to remember Christ, what Christ did for mankind. When the church in Corinth remembered that the, the broken body of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed on his behalf, it should have been a reminder of the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. And as the church remembered that sacrifice, it should give them an opportunity to see their unworthiness in the eyes of God. It should give them an, an opportunity to look inwardly at their life and see, hey, who Jesus Christ is and who I am, it's, it's just, man, I come up short. There's none of us, friends, without sin. And yet, the grace of God is sufficient for all of us. Not one of us is ahead of the other. We're all equals in the eyes of God. Not one person in the world is greater than the next. Unfortunately, many of the, church, many of the people in the church of Corinth didn't see it that way. And as, as, as a result, they were robbing themselves of this opportunity to draw closer to God, to feel his nearness, to be obedient, to know his will, to experience the grace and the, the love of God, the forgiveness of God. Friends, let me tell you something. The Lord's Supper is all about Jesus Christ. 
the Lord's Supper is all about the greatness of Jesus and nothing to do with the greatness of man. If we are looking at this as an opportunity to exalt the name of Jeff, to exalt the name of anybody, I mean, it is... It's heresy, friends. It's heresy. It's a false teaching. This is an opportunity for us to examine our life and see our unworthiness and see how great our God is. Whoever, therefore, verse 27, eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For if anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Paul was pointing the pen, friends, and he's saying, hey, listen, when you do this, look at what you're doing. I mean, he was, those who are taking the Lord's Supper in vain, He's saying, listen, this is what you're, you are drinking and eating judgment upon your, there's a reason why many of you are sick and ill and dying. Look at what you're doing. I mean, friends, in the New Testament, this is not the only example of how our disobedience affects our physical well-being. Read Acts 5. I mean, it's just like, it's kind of scary, you know? Ananias and Sapphira, I mean, they are lying about how much money they're giving to the church and how much they sold a piece of property for, and God has no part of it. Verse 30, why are many are sick and ill and have died? But if we were judged and ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. The good news of God's judgment on those found guilty within the church can be found in verse 32. We are disciplined by the Lord so that we may not be condemned with the world. God was correcting his children, friends. It was a divine discipline so that those found guilty would be condemned with the world. And yet it was an opportunity for the grace of God to be experienced within the church. Hey, if you're doing wrong, this is a time for you to admit, a time for you to confess, a time for you to look inwardly at your life and examine your heart, examine the condition of your life and say, Lord, what am I doing here? God speaks to his children, friends. And, and listen, there's a reason God has told us to take and partake of this meal. It's an opportunity for your Lord to speak to you. And oftentimes, it's, like, it's something that we tag on to the end of the service, and yet God is not saying that's what it should be. It should be a time when we honestly and genuinely look inwardly at our life and say, okay, Lord, what is it that you have for me today? Is that something that, I mean, is that a discipline that you've developed over your years of the faith, that when you partake of the Lord's Supper, that you say, speak to me, Lord. I mean, 
In John 13, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. <laughs> you know? He washed his disciples' feet. I just think about, I mean, like, what an act of service, right? I mean, here he is, the Son of God, Lord of Lords, and if this is an opportunity for us to show our greatness, I mean, here's this chance. But rather, he takes this as an opportunity to say, let me wash your feet. Let me show you what being a disciple is all about. Humility. Grace. Love for your brothers and sisters. 33, so then my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let them eat alone. So when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give instructions of when I come. Finally, Paul gave a, a simple solution to their problem in verse 33. Wait for one another. I mean, how radical is that, right? <laughs> you know, not that hard, not that difficult. Easy to follow instructions. Just wait for one another. Yeah, just treat other people like the way that you would want to be treated. I know it's hard sometimes to wait for one another to care for one another, to get down on your knees and wash each other's feet. I, I know sometimes, even as we partake of this cup and eat of this bread, we look at our life and we just think, man, I'm just, I'm just not worthy. I mean, how can we be worthy? With the sin that's in our life, the struggles that we face every day, how can we be worthy? The reality is, is that none of us are friends. None of us are worthy, but only through the blood of Jesus Christ is that possible. Can we be called brothers and sisters? Can we look at each other with grace and forgiveness? I mean, Jesus, he knew what was going to happen, right? I mean, when he ate the Last Supper with his disciples, I mean, he knew the, the end of the story, right? I mean, he knew what was coming in the next day. He knew what was going to happen that night. Listen to what he says. John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down their life for his friends. And then he says this, you are my friends. <laughs> you are my friends. I mean, isn't that just beautiful? The Lord of Lords says to the men that are about to betray him, you're my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you to be what? Servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you what? Friends. For all that I have heard from my father, 
I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should be should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These commands that I give to you are there so that you will love one another. (laughs) Not enemies, not servants, not unforgiveness, but friends. Jesus is your friend. He loves you. He, he, he knowingly died on the cross for your sin. I mean, that's what Jesus Christ did for you. In spite of your sin, in spite of, he loves you. And he gives you the opportunity to become children of God, to be his friend. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we say, Lord, I, I believe in you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I, 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 can, I, can, I, I confess Jesus. I will confess you as my Lord. I, I will follow you wherever you want me to go. And friends, when we do that, we, we adopt ourselves into the family of God. Look around you. You're not alone here. You have brothers and sisters who are just like you, going through the same struggles, the same difficulties, the same problems. And you are to love one another, to be understanding, to provide forgiveness, to be a friend. Christ is your friend. I pray today that you would lean on him, not on your own understanding, and experience the grace of God that he's offering you today. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this time that we have together together in this place. Father, I pray that as we look inwardly at your word, that we would see the truth that's there for us today. Father, I know that sometimes hearing instructions that Paul is giving to the church in Corinth seems kind of irrelevant to us today. But if we look at our hearts, if we truly look inwardly as Paul tells us to, We're probably not all that far off. Help us, Lord, today to know your will. Help us to test our own hearts, to see our own motives, and to compare them with yours. And Lord, if there is a disconnect today, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace to make things right. Father God, we love you and pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen.